0: You're listening to UCW Radio.
1: In your face, if you try to remember, you will lose. Empty your mind. Be folded, shaped like water. All the fighters that ever set foot on this planet. I'm the only world champion, SA, Snatcher champion. I'm a two-time.
2: National Cotton Champion. I was never beat in cotton. Be proud of The Action Martial and Arts Power Hour. Alright, welcome to the Action Martial Arts Power Hour with your host, publisher of the Action Martial Arts Magazine, the Honorable Master Alan Goldberg. Uh, before we start the show today, uh, we at the Power Hour want to remind all our listeners, that is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and together we can find a cure. Now, Alan, with uh, are you with me?
3: Yes, sir.
2: Okay. With that said, our special guest, as you know, he's been featured in well over a hundred uh, feature and hundred TV shows, over a hundred feature films throughout his career, and he's still going strong. He has played in everything from westerns and gangsta gangster flicks. The straight action drama in some of these films have become iconic in nature in Hollywood. Now, we all know that fear does not exist in the dojo. So without further ado, please welcome to the Action Martial Arts Power Hour from the Karate Kid and Rambo 2, none other than the one and only Martin Cove. Hey, hello, oh.
4: Marty, you, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, thank you.
2: It's a pleasure to
4: be
3: here. Martin, it's on, all a pleasure to always, have you. Definitely, as we be, we became good friends as of last year at my event, and uh, I was always I always been excited about what you've done in your career. And uh, can you go over a couple of things that that would let the audience know exactly who you are? Cause they're only hearing a voice right now.
2: Well,
4: you know, mercy is for the week here and on the streets. You know someone confronts you, he is your enemy, an enemy deserves no mercy.
2: I think there that was the
4: are. first thing in karate Kid One. I remember you know walking up and down the aisles in the dojo and being sick as I possibly I think I had a hundred and two fever. It was kind of like <clears throat> I think like um, in that wonderful movie uh that Gene Kelly did um had a full of rain, no not Had full of rain, um
2: dance dancing in the rain.
4: Not dancing in the rain. What was it called? Um,
2: it was uh, singing in the rain. Singing, yeah. singing in the rain. There we go. We got yeah. it.
4: Yeah. And I, and I was really yeah. I think I had 102 fever. I kept going behind this, this huge uh, curtain and drinking this tea and you know honey and lemon and everything. And and I think that was the first day on the set. I mean you know of Karate Kid one. And who knew that it would ultimately be John Kreese would ultimately be this icon. And I think we all we all did know what we had, and the movie went on to do you know three pictures, and no one really talks about the fourth one, but you know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then this remake, which is uh, which I thought was a good little movie.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it was good, and they 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 stacked the deck. Let's put it that way. I when mean, you got you started your movie, that was everyone on there was barely unknown to some extent. I mean, you you had done some TV stuff and uh, a few other little things, but you know, the movie was, uh, was a fluke in a lot of ways.
4: And uh, You know, I, all icons, all iconic pictures. I mean, years ago, if you think about Humphrey Bogart, or you know, Humphrey Bogart, James Stewart, or Cary Grant, these cats had five and six, I mean, Treasure of Sierra Madre, The African Queen, Maltese Falcon, Casablanca. Humphrey Bogart had so many, you know, classics under his belt. Now, as an actor, I think it's really tough to get you know, you're lucky if you get one. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Harrison yeah. Ford, I think, probably in modern day actors, has the most between Star Wars and Raiders and, and you know, that, actually that's about it. You know, because mm-hmm. you know, he's so many Star Wars, but uh, he, I he think, didn't need any more than that. That <laughs> you know, that was quite enough, right? Yeah, I mean, think of all those movies. You got four Indiana Jones movies, and god, you have how many? How many Star Wars pictures? At least three. He's done.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he made himself a name. He's done you know other things that were pretty well, uh, the President's Men, things like that that were actually held pretty pretty high. And uh you, know, you got guys like that that just they're good actors, so people kind of want to see them. And I think I think what the Karate Kid thing was always the underdog thing that actually brought it to where it was. And I mean, you weren't the underdog guy. Right? You were the bad guy. You still made yourself a name, so that was a good thing about that.
4: Yeah, and, and and I kind of, you know, we never thought we had... I think the interesting thing is, if, if anybody out there hasn't seen the newest issue of the DVD, it has all the commentaries on it from what we thought about being part of a 25-year-old classic. And we all got on there and talked in that uh, most recent issue about what it feels like 25 years later. And uh, I think Pat Johnson... Um, who was a stunt coordinator, who, of course, helped mold my character. And he doesn't want to take any credit, but he really did. He helped mold John Priest with the attitude. And, and, you know, he did Batman and, and Ninja Turtles and all that. And he talks about the spirituality of making the picture, the attitudes we had, and, and how he trained us all separately. And Miyagi was trained separately from the from the Cobra Kai, and Cobra Kai was trained separately from me, and it created this mystique, and it certainly added to this wonderful mystique of this movie being on every day, somewhere, like a Lucy show, and uh, everybody loves it just as much the 15th time as you saw it the first. I agree, Oh, 100%. I mean, I have to tell
3: you something. I, I can remember God just watching the movie and just... You know, being a martial artist, you kind of look for other things than just the people that are just non-martial artists, and you're always looking for certain things, and you kind of pick things up and say, "Wow, oh look at that!" Look, and you know, it, that's the type of movie that makes you think. It's not a matter of just going to a movie and being entertained. So
4: definitely, when you say the spiritualism, involved, was 100 percent there, and well, uh, you know,
3: it, it, when it, I attended it, 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 now, your
4: event, when I attended your event last January in Atlantic City, when these. Um, grand marshals um grand masters and um they they were champions five you know five-time world champions and especially one kid came up to my table and he said you know i was 10 years old when karate kid came out and uh i i loved it then he was about 35 and he came up to me and he said now i own 30 dojos yeah and the grand masters would come up to me with this long gray hair who could probably snap me in two with a breath and said, "You don't know what you've done for the martial arts world and then then these five time world champions would come up and say the same thing to me, and it would humble me to my knees because it was done in such a an affectionate, compassionate form of dialogue, not like you know an autograph seeker but someone who just wants to let you know what you've contributed to the wonderful discipline of martial arts, you know, and yeah. I was humbled, so humbled. It was. A you
3: know,
4: I, I, I never call my event uh,
3: an autograph signing. I actually call it a, if you want to say, a showcase because that's really what it turns into. You know, you come to my event and if people didn't even I think you had called me we were at the last minute and we got you in last year, and, you know, when people came there and saw you there, it showcased you more than just people coming up for autographs. And that that's the mystique that I try to build with everybody, to come into this event and, you know, mingle with the people, talk to the people, and get to know them on, on a different level than just a movie star or, or someone that was in a movie. And that happened to you, which is which I guess I did my job
4: then. <laughs> oh, you did. And then when I walked next door to the tournament where they had, the little kids had, had tournaments, and they were all, you know, under 12, and you walked around, and the mats were red. Just like in, in 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 the tournament in Karate Kid, and I was you know I I just and all the kids were staring, and but they were cool. They didn't come up. But they were all they were all training and working out prior to the, their their uh, to their uh, competition, and I had this sense memory exercise that all of a sudden watching these kids and feeling the 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 sensations in the air. And looking at the red mats, and I kept assuming the position of crossing my arms, putting my hands into my belt, you know, my the, the flat of my hands like I did in a movie. And I, like I was back there. Alan, I was actually back there. The the vibe was so strong spiritually that I was back, John Kreese, in the tournament scene, in Karate, one, karate Kid 1, back in, whenever it was, November, December, 1983. Wow. Yeah, I remember you had mentioned me. You you were leaving. You told me that a little I believe Yeah, you. I I I, no. I was there for 20 minutes, and I and what was so, so fascinating is that one kid would come up to me and said, would say, he said, Sensei, this is where you belong.
2: Mm.
4: And another kid five minutes later would come up and say, we're glad to have you here, Sensei. Just like that, mm. and then walk off. Yeah. yeah. Walk off.
2: Not, yeah, not say you know, cool. can I
4: have your autograph, take a picture with me. Just say yeah. that, deliver that line, and walk off. And it was magnificently haunting, you know. Mm-hmm.
3: That is very cool. Very cool. You know, I got to give you a little part. I did mention you last year. Uh, I have a very dear friend of mine whose name is Bill Clemente and he has a website called The Real Karate Kid, and he was the one they wrote the movie about. And he has all the rights, other than the movie rights, he has TV rights, and he has. Uh, some merchandise, so other different things and rights to use the name. And uh, he was trying to push me. Once he knew I, I had you at my event, he goes, why don't you just make a kid-type thing, you know, the karate kid, kid thing, because I could use the name. And I've been thinking about it. I've been playing around with it, but uh, we'll see what happens with it. You know, I'm, I get so busy with my event, it gets a little crazy. So to do two events in a big, big way,
4: I don't know if I would get involved at this point. But yeah,
3: uh, you know, it's, well, it's a good that, idea remember. if he has
4: the rights, you know. And and most yeah. people don't know. They they you know you assume that motion picture rights include everything. But um, for all the listeners out there, that you know, if you're lucky enough to write a book or uh, create a character, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. the other rights after they make a movie about you, um, mm-hmm. how fantastic that is! This guy, this yeah. man's very lucky. But you should think about doing a Karate Kid series because everybody is now so you have a built-in audience. And, yeah, we're, uh, we're thinking about
3: something. I, you know, once I get a little closer to what I, my ideas about it is, I'll let you know more about it, of course, because you will definitely be part of it. But uh, what what else would the audience know you yeah, have besides Rainbow 2? I remember you did also Cagney and Lacey, you run. Yeah, I was well, Vic,
4: Victor is Becky on six years on the TV series Cagney and Lacey. And then yeah. we did a series of my own called Hard Time on Planet Earth where I was an alien who comes down from the stars and um, tries to do good deeds in order to get back up to his planet. And uh, we did Wyatt Earp. We, we had a wonderful time in, in Wyatt Earp uh, with Kevin Costner and and The Gambler. I mean, I love Westerns most of all. You know, and I did the, the last installment, uh, the four-hour miniseries with Kenny Rogers called uh, Gambler 5, Playing for Keeps. And... Oh, just, you know, there's a lot of movies. It was a wonderful picture. I didn't like doing it at the beginning. It was Steel justice. And then people love it. It's such an interesting cult movie. It goes along with Last House on the Left and uh, Death Race 2000, all those things you did in the early years that I, you know, Stallone and I did Death Race 2000. And, you know, I mean, whoever loved oh. it would become a cult movie. And, and Last okay. House on the Left, I can't even watch. It's so violent. <laughs> it also becomes a cult movie, you know, so you know i um, you, you, you know it, it it's real interesting right now we're doing a uh, internet television series I'm real big on rejuvenating the West, so we're doing a surrealistic very surrealistic um, western called six Gun Savior and it's on it's advertised on YouTube, and you can see it we're just you know finishing the final touches of. We shoot about every three months, several episodes, and it'll eventually be a DVD movie, but it'll be on the Internet. And uh, it's a terrific. Eric Roberts and myself. And, and, oh, my uh, Eric. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah Eric. He plays the devil, and I play the mentor, and it's a lot of fun. But I, I, I just have projects going, you know, that can resurrect the Western. I just want – like to leave that legacy out there that uh, – You know the the genre we were all weaned on in the 50s and 60s, you know, can come into fruition again. Uh, It just takes a new twist. It takes a different rhythm in the movie. You know, the John Lee movies only work to a certain degree. The kids today have a much less uh, attention span than we did. You know, and uh, that's what I'd like to launch. And um, I just finished a lovely little movie. uh, called Falcon Song, which was a terrific. What a picture we shot in Billings, Montana, and another one in Salt Lake. Uh, so, you know, it's with, um, with um, Anthony Michael Hall and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and you know, fun things are going on all the time. You know,
3: so you're not, you're not sitting That's, home waiting for the phone to ring. That's a good thing.
4: No, I'm I'm out there. You know, I just was that in was. London doing an autograph show, which was fascinating. I do about three, <laughs> four of these things a year, and and I uh, was in Germany as well, and and um, it's, uh, you know, life's good. I've got two children who, who uh, my son's in the business. His name is Jesse Cove, and and I guess you, you all can look him up on the, uh, I guess, on IMDb. Former of a little producer at the age of 21 in this wonderful little movie called Mischief Night, and uh, written by um, my girlfriend's son. And it's a very professional little movie, and they're shooting it all weekends. They, they couldn't wait for their funding, so they, a man named Richard Zelnick is directing it. And, and Jesse is producing as well as acting in it. And um, uh, just um, Ryan Cohn is the writer, and the kid just got a, he got a free ride to Berkeley for journalism. And he's 20 years old, and he's got a little movie that's being produced here in town, you know, when he wrote when he was 16.
2: It's amazing, it's amazing. Well, Mark, Marty, can I ask you a question? Sure. All right. Uh, now, you look, your your career is vast. We talked about it uh, at, right at the intro of the show. Uh, you've done you've done movies uh, before Karate Kid that act they they actually made remakes of them uh, later on, like The Last House on the Left and a few other movies. You know, I I, I want our listeners to understand the dynamics with this. When when the Karate Kid came calling, I mean, can you explain how that transpired, how how they came to you?
4: You mean the the,
2: the original? The the original, the original. Well,
4: the original, to be perfectly honest. Um, I remember a friend of mine, an actor named Paul Koslow, came to my house, and he, he said, I just met John Avilson, uh, and he said, I was just too small for this role. You should go up on it. Well, you know, I... I Immediately called the agent. And the agent said, "Well, I had you up on it, and he didn't like your picture." So I called my PR guy, and he called the casting woman, and she set up another meeting. And uh, I I was given the script five days. I was actually given the script on a Monday, and he and she said to me, "You have all week to study it." Well, the very next morning, I get a call, and she says, "The director wants to see you at noon." <laughs> I, was, I was really upset, I hadn't studied, and I was so angry and at the time my my wife said to me, she said, What use this anger? How you feel about this? Use it right now, and it's nine o'clock in the morning. I got to be there in three hours, and we're doing the scene and we're walking up and down the dojo. Mercy is for the week here and on the streets, you know, and I'm berating the students and I just went to see this director, and I just called him, you know, a major ass, and I said, you know, John Appleson, we fire our agents and we fire our managers just to get appointments to see you when they don't come across and give us appointments to see prominent directors such as you. And I said, but I didn't have any time with the script. You're a real ass. And I looked at the casting room, and I said, so are you, Carol Jones. And I went right into the reading. Mercy is for the week here, using all this venom I felt for these people. They loved it. He me Fair. to Jerry Weintraub. Jerry Weintraub came four days late to the meeting. He was in Europe. I, I, ber- I berated him right there just to get a hook on the energy and on the anger mm-hmm. and went right into Mercy's for the week. He loved it. And then head of the studio and did the same thing, you know, and I got the part, you know. So how, how
2: often can you, can you berate the uh, director and, and uh, get a part right after that?
4: <laughs> well, because they're secure.
2: I don't think you can do it
4: on television because there's a lot of fragile egos there, and some people you can now because there are so many wonderful, you know, wonderful writers and directors coming into the cable world from the film business. So it's not as it's not as shaky, but you know, I I remember doing the same thing. I thought, well, that's the deal. And one time I went into a uh, an, an interview and I had a prop gun in my bag, and they they thought I wasn't unpredictable enough. So I got a second meeting and I really wanted to do this movie with Chuck Norris and shooting in New Zealand, Finland, and Fiji. And I remember pulling this gun out of the bag at some given moment and boom. Uh I put it under the chin of this producer who was my biggest fan in the room. He was so frightened to death. I, I, I walked out of the room and I turned around to, to the three of them, the writer, director and producer, and I said, Gentlemen, I hope we can do business. Certainly I get a call ten minutes later that the role is mine, you know. And uh I did it one other time and I was kicked out of the room. It was an HBO Dennis Hopper thing about Bobby Seale. I pulled a gun, kicked me right out of the room. They hated it.
2: So it's the kind of thing
4: these kind of activities you can't really do that anymore because of basic current events. Sometimes they work. I don't think I'd do it again because there are just too many variables to say no. You know, there's too much competition out there. and Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. So you got to really find out what is appropriate for the role, what's appropriate for the energy in the room. And, um, you know, it's uh, a... Yeah. It, it, it's just, it's like that, you know. There's no formula for finding a successful film and doing an independent movie that makes noise. You know, it's 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 really a crapshoot, no matter how you look at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, i tell you a funny thing, too. Even The Karate Kid was
3: copied, which you know it was copied the last time by Will Smith, but Chuck Norris actually liked The Karate Kid so much, or loved it, if you want to say, he made Sidekicks,
4: which was a complete... Copy
3: of the Karate Kid. And yeah, and I think I they mentioned... asked
4: Chuck. They had asked Chuck to play my part. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, they had okay. asked Chuck to play my part. That's what I was told, and you know, he and he didn't want to, and and uh, it was it was quite interesting, you know. It was really mm-hmm. it's quite interesting what they went through, and and uh, Robert Kamen who wrote Taken and Taken Two, who's been produced many, many, many times, a lot of stuff he's written. Who wrote Karate Kid? You know we it must have been about 2 months ago he came to the academy had a classic a classic screening they called it the classic summer summer classics they called it and they screened the karate kid outdoors for hundreds and hundreds of people here in hollywood and they screened five movies through the summer and karate kid was one and we had all the cobra kai there and robert came and uh, uh billy zuck is still a good friend of mine i see ralph occasionally and uh, we were all proud the first time we had been together in twenty years. Mm. And the movie first time I'd watched it in years. And it still holds up. Yeah. And there are pieces, you know, there are just some movies when I watch The Wild Bunch it holds up. You watch The Searchers it holds yeah. up. You watch Casablanca, it holds up. You know, there yeah. there are certain movies that are just they're just eternal, you know. They're just well, around forever and to entertain the youngest of audiences. And uh, I go around the country in an anti-bullying campaign with a psychologist, and we often have scenes from The Karate Kid projected on the screen. And then I come barreling in in my black gi. And uh, I've been always trying to get on the Oprah show and talk about this. But, you know, it's it's, it's amazing how how a character like John Creese is really the ultimate bully. And kids love to hear about what you can do about the bullying situation from a four-star bully, you know? Mm-hmm. There you go.
2: And then, there you and go. That, that's a big epidemic now with, with bullying and, you know, because you have cyberbullying. You have all types of bullying going on nowadays, Marty.
4: Yeah, I wow. mean, so Ellen Freed was a psychologist who came. We went to St. Louis and
2: Cincinnati
4: and Beverly Hills and where else did we go, uh, Chicago. And we traveled around, and we'd still like to do it. It's just really hard to do it with time because we need to sponsor it. To, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't get paid to do this. I just took out time to do it, but it was a great chat that she gave the guidance teachers and the kids. And I came in at the end as icing on the cake and show the three times I bullied kids in the tournament scene. And it's a tough problem because we all suffered from it. I mean, it goes mm-hmm. back as far as Rome and ancient Greece. There were bullies then, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, what to do about it today? It's it's hard. It's a it's a difficult problem and. Um, you know, one day I'd love to go on Oprah and just talk about what the variables are, you know, to solve the problem. Um, it needs to be taken far more seriously than it is because yeah. people in schools kind of shirk the responsibility to a degree because they don't know the answer. And parents yeah. are in the same problem. They have the same problem. Well, you know? The point is when
3: you notice noticed, and that's important. If it's not being noticed, that's where the, the problems, yeah. you know, get worse, if you want to say.
2: Certainly, certainly. Well, well, guys, you know, when you have kids actually killing themselves and being bullied, there is a massive problem. And I'm glad that you're out there doing what you do, Marty, because you know you you got to get that message across not only to the kids, but also to the parents, the teachers, principals, you know, administrators, whoever is there listening. So they understand that, you know, bullying is is not a joke. It's a serious thing, especially now when uh, kids can do it from all different aspects, not only physical, mental, cyber, so on and so cyber.
3: forth. Well, you know, Martin, at my event, you met that girl there. She was doing the kicking It, which is the bully program, which I'm involved with myself. And <laughs> like you said, the funding. And recently they're starting to get some funding in it because I think people are starting to see this is a major epidemic in this country. And if you know as we as adults don't start seeing that there's got to be something done about it, we're going to have our own kids maybe in, in trouble down the road, you know the road or grandchildren whatever it is. So uh, very important for us to notice that. As martial arts, too, you know, but why why do we teach martial arts? For the simple fact that we're trying to teach these the underlings or, or, or the underdog how to defend themselves if they had to. So it's a, it's a you know it's a circle definitely a circle.
4: I mean it, it really gets down to that what you can impair on these kids is I mean John Kreese used karate as a um, you know he he used it as an offensive sport and mm-hmm. Yagi used it as a defensive art and that mm-hmm. was between the two characters and it, it works hand in hand with bullying if you know you use the fact that you know you can handle yourself if you study martial arts and. You know that it's a defensive art, and you know that in your mind. And if someone bullies you, you are capable of dealing with it. You know, mm-hmm. and if you can talk your way out of it, or somehow propose something that the bully gets the hint that he's in more danger than you are, because you can truly defend yourself well. Um, that's the value: is it, it that inner peace, that knowing? That you can defend yourself against these people, and the only way to get that inner peace, I believe, is to train, and to you know, and and, and to you know, to sort of progress in, uh, in in martial arts in a variety of ways, and, you know whether it's kendo, whether it's using a bow, whatever. After karate, <clears throat> just keep you just. It's really filling your head with the information that you are okay and can defend yourself, and at times. Not even need to use the physical. Oh, yeah, Sometimes yeah. when you really, truly believe it, the, the bully or the adversary, he gets it because your vibe
2: is so strong. Mm. Oh, those, those are definitely strong words. And, uh, Marty, we have uh, one of your fans on on hold. Uh, he wants to come on. He has a, has a couple of questions for you on uh, Karate Kid and uh, a movie called Steel Justice. Uh, his name is Joe Ribello. He's from Massachusetts. Uh you ready for him? Sure. All right. Welcome to the show, Joe.
1: Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. Um, you, really Joe. Hi, uh, Ms. Uh, Siegel Goldberg. Good to talk to you again. It's been many years. Uh, yeah. Um, and Mark and I, uh, uh, Mr. Cole, I wanted to say how much I've enjoyed your career and wanted to ask about a uh, uh, couple of your films. Um uh, first of all, I want to ask you about uh, Karate Kid 3. And uh, you're working, obviously, with uh, Thomas Even Ian Griffith, who uh, is known to many as uh, uh, a Taekwondo and Kenpo black belt. And uh, it was really interesting being a Kenpo practitioner and watching this film and hearing about the Quicksilver system and uh, watching it how being displayed and going, he's doing Kenpo. You know, Joe,
3: uh, joke, 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 joke. can I interject one thing for one minute now? By all means. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, people listening to your show, I have to tell you something about Joe. Joe is a historian of not just Campbell, but martial arts, been around a long time. The first time I met Joe, he knew more about me than I knew about myself. So <laughs> when you hear Joe talking, I swear to God, Joe, I, you said things, I went, what the heck is this guy, how does he know this? Has he been following me for the last 40 years? But Joe, is, believe me, when I tell you, he has things in his head that he shouldn't have, I swear it that way. So <laughs> I just want to say, Joe, when I, want you to, I want to introduce you the right way. A great historian of the martial art world.
1: Well, uh,
3: let me let me compliment you and say,
1: you know, unfortunately for, for many years I never had the opportunity to attend the Action Martial Arts Magazine Hall of Fame. I will this year, and I promise That's you so I will be there in January. Uh, it will be the first time I've been there, and I'm really looking forward to it. Wonderful. So, and let me continue with our guest. Go on. So we were talking about Karate Kid 3, and it was really interesting that, you know, well, you've been talking about bullying, but again, you know, you have this character from Thomas Ian Griffith, um, you know, again, like, like I said, as a Kempo practitioner, I'm watching Quicksilver, and we're going, wow, he's doing Kempo, and um really loved your portrayal, I wanted to ask about the scenes that you had done with him and Karate Kid 3. And also, I wanted to ask you, a lot of people aren't aware that your second martial arts film, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that really uh, showcased you as a martial arts figure was the film called Steel Justice, where you portrayed a Vietnam veteran who basically hunted down the Vietnamese tunnel rats that would, would go in, you know, into the tunnels. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Michael Pisina from Gordon Davisola's Okinawa tay was your um, fight instructor for using the double-short uh, Wakazashi. So if you could tell, tell us a little bit about both of those films and, and how you felt working on them and a little bit behind
4: that. Well, you're right, Alan. This guy knows everything. It's frightening. Uh, well, I,
3: I, listen, he's, he's about how many people
4: know Gordon Dover-Sola? How many people? Michael Michael was my coach in that film. In fact, uh, Takaboda, Shion Takaboda, came in second to michael because because i I was really interested in working with him with the Wagasashis. he actually doubled me in a couple of um, uh, in a couple of scenes well the you know the there was so much to do in that movie and and we had a short period of time to do steel justice um I guess I was shooting Kady and Lacey at the time, and the fight scenes you know we work out in my house and we work out with a variety of Wagasashis, and and we had Cut down, we couldn 't find what we really wanted, so we had to cut down some some katanas, some inc- <laughs> some really old katanas but we had to we, we cut them down to fit the wagasashi size and wow. uh, I st- in fact, I still have the deal that I, uh, the harness that I put on the back where I could grab both wagasashis, and uh, one coming from upper and one coming from lower. But it was interesting because, you know, I had gotten um, – I had trained with Michael and Gordon. And I think I – think, I don't know if he's still around, but it was Okinawa-tay. And it was fascinating to learn the history about the Okinawa farmers and how, how that style was developed. And um, because Taekwondo was the style of all three Karate Kid movies. And, uh, you know, I think uh, primarily Thomas Ian Griffith, who I just saw recently – uh, is a marvelous martial artist and he's a wonderful writer and he's a wonderful pianist and um, he just was you know I couldn't do the movie because I got in the TV series so originally his character was not even in the script uh, they couldn't it was me who was creating the sting on Ralph by training both Sean Kanan, and the other bad boy and Training, um, and training Ralph at the same time, and then ultimately I bring. I was supposed to bring back Sean, and uh, same ending, but I couldn't do it. And uh, it was unfortunate. I only shot on weekends there because I was doing a hard time on planet Earth, and it broke my heart because, uh, as usual, agents said, I'll get you out. Don't worry about it. I'll get you out of the TV series. You'll be able to do Karate Kid 3. And it was all about me. It was my vehicle. And then... Once, I couldn't be there as often as they liked. They wrote, Robert came and wrote Terry Silver into the piece. So they put me on vacation to Tahiti, and they shot me on three different weekends, a couple of scenes. But he did everything in the movie I was supposed to do. And it was technically, you know, Karate Kid 3 was was John Kreese's vehicle, and I couldn't do it. Uh, But working with him was marvelous. I learned a great deal. 'cause he's the real thing. He's just the real thing and he's marvelous. And he was a lot of fun to work with and and uh so was Michael, you know, Michael was great on Steel Justice and and uh you know the, and the moves, get, where do we get him at the event one, one year also. Well, yeah, on. we should. I I've lost contact with him. But Thomas mm-hmm. I see. It'd be nice to get Thomas in there. Um mm-hmm. but you know, Thomas still you know, he, he trains and he's terrific and he's got white hair and he's got a white beard and I saw him at the uh, at the engagement party of, oddly enough, Sean Kanan, the bad boy from Karate Kid 3, okay. and that was six months ago. So we stay in touch, you know, and uh, I'm so impressed with your knowledge. Gordon Doverso, and nobody knows that name. Well, you know, funny about funny about Gordon was um, a lot of people don't know he was also the, the karate instructor
1: at one time or another for both uh, the late, great Joe Lewis and uh, Jim Kelly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well uh, Joe, I think we're gonna keep you uh on hold for a little bit and you're gonna come back on the show. You have you have a lot of stuff to add. <laughs>
4: yeah, you should talk about Enter the Dragon and all Because there's wonderful history about that movie with Jim Kelly and, and my Brooklyn my Brooklyn actor mate there, uh, um who is uh, John Saxon, who is uh Yeah, yeah John from Brooklyn, all right.
2: Yeah, you know. Uh, but, but Joe, we're gonna we're gonna put you on hold. We're gonna bring you back on the show because I think you have something to add here uh, after the intermission. But we have one more uh, call to bring on, okay? Sure. By all means. Nice
1: talking okay. to you, Joe. Pleasure talking to you. Talk to you in a little bit. Thank you. All
2: right. All right. We have uh, Shannon David from Atlanta for you, Marty.
4: Okay.
3: Gentlemen, thanks nice. for
2: taking my call.
3: And I was just uh, cruising by, and I saw. Uh, Martin was on the show, and I want to stop by Martin and say, I'm 42, and I grew up with your movies, some of the best movies of all time. I saw you in, uh, of course, Karate Kid and Rambo, and I just wanted to uh, thank you, and see if you've got any projects uh, upcoming for the big screen again.
4: Well, there's uh, this song, uh, this uh, movie I was mentioning earlier called Falcon Song, which is a, it's a wonderful little movie. We shot it up in Billings, and the character was ultimately a. Um, the villain buying up all this land for mineral rights and he had an ancestral he had, his background, his ancestor was a pirate and what I did was I went to the director and uh, it's become my new favorite movie I went to the director and I said listen why don't we personify this background of pirates and because I'm a big Pirates of the Caribbean fan, big fan of you know films um, The Buccaneer, Jean Lafitte and Charlton Heston years ago and I just love pirates, so I forwarded him a great deal of information about pirates, and he rewrote the character, and rewrote a sword fight in there with me. Uh, I paraded around, instead of parading around in a suit and tie, I wore red striped pants and high black boots, and um, I have, you know, I carry a flintlock, and it's going to be a terrific little movie. It's called The Falcon Song, and it'll probably be out sometime next year. And uh, you know, look for that because I think it's it's just uh, marvelous. I mean what this guy did spewing Lord Byron dialogue and spewing things from from Robert Louis Stevenson and uh it was really uh it was really a really a guess, you know. Cool. I enjoyed that oh, very cool. much. And and uh it was directed by a fellow named uh uh Jason Brown. So uh, just look for it. It's called Falcon's Song. And uh, it's really fun. And the other one with Anthony Michael Hall, which will be out next year, is called Friend Request. Friend Request, um, and uh, uh, it was written by Jason Falasco. And it's also a terrific little movie, sort of like Lethal Weapon. And uh, I play uh, police chief, and very humorous. It's really very humorous, and you'll have a good time looking for that. But you not, know, there's
3: an old adage, Martin. It says, uh, you know, they don't make actors like they used to. And I really believe to a large part that's true. You're of a generation where, you know, uh, real character. You know how to act. You're the yeah. ultimate bad boy in movies. And I appreciate your work, and uh, keep it up, my friend.
4: Well, thank you. You're very kind. Thank you very much. Thank you. That. Thank you for coming on. Show to you both. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. God bless. Uh,
2: okay, on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to be right back with Martin Cove, your host, uh, Alan Goldberg, and we're going to have our special co-host, Alan Woodman, coming on. So just hang on. We're going to be right back in a minute.
0: You're listening to UCW Radio in your face.
2: Audience, say it with me.
1: Legendary. It's going to be 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 legendary. Legendary. Action Martial Art Magazine, January 25th, twenty six, all the time left in Tropicana Hotel. be a bigger, better than ever, the ultimate martial art event, biggest martial event in the world, Tropicana Hotel. You want to contact me at 718-856-877 over our website, actionmagstore.com. I like their size. I love their texture. Their shape. Feel. They complete me.
2: Big, small, it doesn't matter.
1: Yes, I like boobies.
2: Love boobies. Yes, I love boobies.
1: Yes, I love boobies. I love boobs.
2: Most of us know someone who's been affected by breast cancer.
1: My friend. My piano teacher. My sister. My aunt.
2: My teacher. My two aunts. My aunt's two aunts.
1: I beat breast cancer.
0: We can beat this together.
1: Show the world how much you care.
2: And join us in the fight. Because it's more than just boots. It's life. UCI will ban Lance Armstrong from cycling and UCI will strip him of his seven Tour de France titles. Lance Armstrong has no place in cycling. UCI will also recognize the sanctions imposed upon the riders who testified against Lance Armstrong. UCI indeed thanked them for telling their stories. UCI likewise has nothing to hide in responding to the USADA report, and that is also the purpose of today's press conference. And to inform you that the UCI has called a special meeting of the UCI Management Committee next Friday to discuss this report and the measures which the UCI wishes to put in place in order that we we are never faced with such a situation in the future.
1: Home sales activity was at an annual pace of $4.8 million, with a median home price of $187,000. That's up 9.5% from the same time last year. According to Freddie Mac, the national average rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage fell to 3.49%, a new historic low.
3: DDP Yoga. Nature Yoga.
2: <laughs> over the last 12 years, I developed this amazing program I now call DVP Yoga, specifically to strengthen and heal my own body. It's the only reason I was able to wrestle in the ring, well over 15 years and three world championships. And now, I want to bring this amazing workout to you, and it will change the way you think about the word yoga. DDP Yoga is all about zero impact, kick-ass cardio, increased flexibility, and core strength conditioning. It's like nothing you have ever seen or done before.
3: DDP Yoga. It ain't your mama's yoga.
2: <laughs> You're all right, to
0: UCW Radio. In your
2: face. Love that. All right. Welcome back to the Action Martial Arts Power Hour with Master Alan Goldberg, and a very special guest, Martin Cove from The Karate Kid and Rambo 2 and about a zillion other movies. The guy's been around and he's still going strong. All right. And for this half of the show, I'm going to be bowing out to welcome our special co-host for the rest of the show, Alan Woodman. So, uh, guys, uh, it's, all, it's all there for you. Hey, Alan. How you doing, buddy?
0: I'm good. Alan. How you doing, Steve? I'm
3: good. How was your trip?
0: Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, lots of great friends, great people to meet out there on the West Coast. It was uh, we we just had just had an awesome
3: time. It was just fantastic. Do you, do you have anything you want to speak to Martin about? Or yeah, actually,
0: actually, I just wanted to say hello to to Marty once again because uh, we worked uh, on uh, Mercenary, which is one of our best films. I think <laughs> uh, I don't know why a lot of people haven't seen it, but it really is an amazing film.
4: I really enjoyed that movie I mean we I, I actually think I actually think the director cut the movie way too tight and uh, I mean because I really enjoyed the scenes I see I see Olivier Gruner occasionally and uh, you know and was always friends with uh, John Ritter who was you know really missed and uh, John did a great job as a, as a serious character there and I really enjoyed that movie locations and all and I think it deserved a lot more notoriety than it received. Uh, The fight scenes were good, and we, we, you know, it was really a gas doing that movie. I I totally enjoyed that picture, and uh, I think it, it somehow, you know, it it was cut so tightly that everything moved too fast, you know, And, and, and you can sort of suffer from that as well as, you know, the other way, cutting really loose, and uh, I think it was, it was, you know, the director. Uh, he, it was his fault, and um, but it's a terrific little picture. It's very well done, and you, you buy everybody's performance in it, and the locations were great, just wonderful. Uh, yeah, we
3: we we shot that
0: in uh,
4: La Jolla, San Diego, and in Utah,
0: and I think um, you were out in Utah with us, too. I think weren't you for for quite a bit?
4: No, I didn't go. I didn't go to Utah. I was in San Diego and um, San Diego, yeah. I mean, one of the stars of that whole movie was uh, the production designer. I've forgotten his name, but he recreated an Afghanistan lair of mine with my mercenaries. That was just fantastic. I mean, I was was impressed. This whole basement, huge basement of an unoccupied hotel. The El Cortez. cortez. The El Cortez. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. and. I mean, I, I try to, you know, sometimes you have an acting reel and you put together your favorite scenes from different movies, and oddly enough, one of my favorite scenes is from that movie, and, uh, you know, because I play with a Russian accent, and, you know, I think his character's name was Phoenix, I think.
0: Yeah, and, Max, you know, that was your character,
4: yeah. And, and Hey, Mark, you
0: know, I, I, I just wanted to let you know, I don't know if you knew this at the time, but actually... I was dating a young lady at the time, Pamela Morales and that was the girl that you cut with the sword and killed in that fight scene that you had with Olivier in that in that den. <laughs>
4: By the way. Was that the girl that I was making love to like to... That's the one. <laughs> yeah. that's very funny. I'll tell you a funny story about that. And uh, you know, it's a rape scene and uh, must have been a couple years ago. So are you still dating her? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Let me tell you the story. Um, so I, I'm in a restaurant, and and uh, I hadn't seen this person probably. I think when we make that movie, 1996, I think. I believe it was 96, yeah. Yeah, and all of a sudden, this girl was being raped by me. You know, uh, but not, not you know, it wasn't. It wasn't that descriptive. It was just you know, as if we were having sex already. And this character, you know, they 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 bring in different women, and you know, it, it was a mercenary kind of thing. Um, they, you know, they abuse women and all that. But the the scene was uh, that I was making love to her. That's how it's introduced. The top of that scene when uh, he comes in and we and they have the final fight, and it's a restaurant, and the girl sees me from the other side, and she. She, she screams out in the restaurant. Martin Cove, Martin Cove, do you remember me? You, you raped me down in San Diego. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, oh. my oh,
0: right. Well, that that can't be real good for you publicly. <laughs> oh,
4: and, and then you know, and then we 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 you know, she came across and we hugged each other and all that, you know, and it became obvious. I think she said, "You raped me in Mercenary." Remember me? That's what I think she said. <laughs> So nobody was really like nobody went for their gun, you know? But she was a beautiful young lady and and she was a very nice person, still is to this day.
0: She's a she's a really great uh actress, wonderful actress. And uh it was a great great uh, you know, that you did that scene with her. It was really awesome.
4: Yeah, I I bumped into her. I actually bumped into her and we we chatted a couple of times, I think I saw her for coffee another time and she was you know, she was working still as an actress and uh this is just about I would say about three years ago. Oh yeah. wow. It was really funny. Really. Funny. Alan, do you, do you know we
3: have still on the line there? We have Mr. Rabello. Mr. Rabello, do you know him?
4: Do I know him? Yes. Uh,
3: did we just talk to Joe? Yeah. Do, do you know Joe?
4: No. Oh, do I know
3: Joe? No, no, no. Well, I'm Alan Woodman. Do you know Joe? Oh, Alan.
0: Oh, no, no. Actually, I, I, I may know him by face. I'm, I'm horrible with uh, names. I meet so many people, especially after I just came back from the West Coast and. Thousand people are coming, here their names, and <laughs> so if I if
3: I just don't know everybody's name, I apologize. If I saw your face, I'd be yeah. Interesting, gentlemen. I know you two will get along because you're you're both somewhat the yeah. historians hyster- of the martial art world. So you, I think you two would get along well. Anyway, I, so, I, I enjoy yeah. anybody that can can teach about the
0: history of martial arts. That's, you know, that's my big thing, Alan. So. Uh yeah, I'm I'm sure he he sounds like an amazing person that I'd love to talk to.
3: Just don't call me doctor, that's all. Anyway, <laughs>
4: <laughs> anyway I, I, next. It's really interesting, you know, what comes up when I think about this little reel that I was that I put uh, mercenary on. Who else is on that reel but Bolo Young? Oh, and yeah. uh, the final scene we did in Shoot Fighter where I think we're fighting with bows and um in a cage and uh, he was he was also very gracious i mean you know, he 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 was terrific and uh, we had some a really terrific fight that i put on my action reel because um it was so good you know and uh oddly enough yesterday i just enrolled in la fitness which is a club here and the trainer that i'm working with trains bolo young's kid Okay. And, and, and you know, he showed me pictures of him. I guess he's 30, 32, and fascinating, built like, you know, just cut all over. And I don't remember his name, but but uh, it was just the world gets smaller and smaller. And seeing yeah. Bolo at your tournament uh, was terrific. I mean, the array of people at your tournament, Alan, last year was – no, this year, actually, just past the one in January. I mean, to see John Saxon and Jim Kelly and all these people that I – you know, prior to being becoming a martial artist in early 80s. I mean, mm-hmm. they were just faces in favorite movies of mine, The Appaloosa. You know, John Saxon was, you know, this wonderful Mexican in The Appaloosa. And, and I loved Enter the Dragon. So everybody in there, John Saxon was in that, as well as Jim Kelly. And uh, I, I remember being introduced to the martial arts world through Enter the Dragon. Um, right. Because... It wasn't, I only became conscious of the Kurosawa films later on. Um, well, who,
3: who wasn't, really, if you think about it? Uh, you know, Enter the Enter the Dragon was like the West Side Story of uh, musicals. Yeah, I mean,
4: 566, I mean, right, it was actually right. I mean, I was very young and didn't know much about martial arts, but I knew this was a studio movie. It was a little different because the way it was, orchestrated and it was structured differently and they spent a little more money than a lot of the uh, Hong Kong pictures you know yeah. and the only thing i had remembered really was seven samurai yojimbo the blind right. Swordsman and then and then zatoichi the you know the blind swordsman but those were to me <clears throat> they weren't really martial arts movies in the sense they were a, a little more spiritual and you know they they were more of an art form than a lot of, you know, things like Kung Fu Hustle and all these other martial arts films that came out, you know, and some of the Bruce Lee movies. Um, I found them all to be fascinating, the Kurosawa work. But that's how I was introduced to martial arts, was was basically through Enter the Dragon. Uh, Right. You know, Uh, I think. And, And, you know, going as far back, I think the greatest classic I really remember... At best was Ron. Kurosawa's Ron. Ron, yeah, 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 yeah. Which was the first, I remember it to be the first movie to use classical music over battle scenes.
3: Mm-hmm. And then I
4: think Oliver Stone did it with Platoon. But I remember how brilliant a choice that was to see Ron and, and this gorgeous, gorgeous battle scene. And there it was, thematically was classical music over the top of it, and it's so depicted the the violence and and how you know, God knows you know the the that period of time when the samurai was was ending, and uh, it's like the end of the gunfighter, you know. It's just very much mm-hmm. like Wild Bunch, like you know yeah. the era is over. You know? Hey Marty, I, just
0: you know when I was in Japan, um, I actually went to. Uh, Akita, where part of that film was actually shot, uh, the one big uh, castle fight scene the uh, battle that they had, that's actually filmed in, in Akita, which is north of Tokyo, and it's really amazing just to go there and, and kind of see the same shots that you saw in that film so long ago and stuff. It's it's a really amazingly done well film. Uh, you know, Akira Kurosawa, <laughs> what can you say? You know, he really was the man when it came to cinematography and movies, so...
4: That's brilliant. I mean, if I remember correctly, you know, um, I think um, Marty Scorsese and Coppola were, uh, they put their name on the top of it, you know, and they, they pushed it through into proper distribution in, in this country. <clears throat> but um, it was wonderful. I have a poster of it, this big blue poster, that hangs in my house here with, you know, with a lot of the European, with a lot of European fistful of dollars for a few dollars more. Good, the bad, the you ugly. Know, I've got a lot of European um, three sheets, which are much larger, and they they sort of paint. They paint their one their one sheets in a sense. They paint them, and uh, but the three sheets are much larger, and it's it, it's beautiful work. I I, I just uh, you know think I was born way too late. I would have loved you know done the Italian Western, gone off and. Done, you know, and and transform myself somehow into an American in one of Kurosawa's movies. God knows how marvelous it would have been just to be there and work with, you know, with giants like that, you know. Sergio Leone, I met once, and and, uh, I, I had a wonderful time with Sergio Leone. I was at the Cannes Film Festival, and I so wanted to chat with him, and we chatted at Martinez Hotel, and I knew so much about his movies, and he didn't have he didn't speak English very well. He had his brother-in-law there as a translator. I think this is just before Once Upon a Time in America. And um, we chatted. It was in May. And uh, it was a fascinating experience. And, and um, I found out six months later he was coming to the Chateau Marmont to interview American actors for Once Upon a Time in America. So I learned in Italian how to say, Do you remember me? We met in Cannes. And I learned how to say that in Italian. So I got to the appointment, and uh, I went up to the Chateau Mama, and he's sitting there with the same brother-in-law. And uh, I said, "In fluent Italian, do you remember me? We talked in Cannes six months ago." And then he says, in better English than I've heard heard him speak, he says, "Do I remember you? Of course I remember you. You're the boy who knows more about my movies than me." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you I, I died. I was hysterical. You know, he remembered our conversation. He remembered how much I loved, you know, his his uh, attempt to make Westerns and his whole ballet. Because all those movies were ballet. I didn't get the part. Robert De Niro got the part. <laughs> but, you know. Okay. Well, he remembers you. you, know? you remember? Yeah. Yeah. But it was really fun. You know, he had picked up his English and, do you remember me? You know, of course, he, these guys have internal memories. I mean, they remember everything these directors.
0: Yeah. Uh, Marty, just so you know, I wanted to uh, tell you, let you know that uh, I i school. I'm actually in uh, just north of Philadelphia, PA now, uh, where I live. But I have a school in the Bronx, New York. And um, last year at Allen's uh, event, or this January at that Allen's event, um, you signed a, a poster for me and a picture. And that actually sits up in uh, near the entrance of the school. So it's one of the first things that people see when they come in. So. <laughs> I wanted to thank you for that it was really nice of you to give me that as a present I appreciate
4: it well we'll chat when you come to the event in January yeah we it? will 25th is it Alan yeah 25th
3: 26th well you're going to come in on the 24th because we have our little dinner for celebrities alright <laughs> and then the 25th is the trade show wine and cheese party 26th
4: is the trade show again and then the night time is our banquet
3: so we got yeah. a whole weekend to party
4: it's a wonderful event whoever's listening out there and we can Get yourself same location. There you go. <laughs> same location. Same. It's Atlantic City. Same location.
3: Tropicana Hotel. Same location. Yeah, yeah it's great. Great, great yeah.
4: stuff. Good, good really.
3: location. People like it there, and I even ask people ask me to move it, go different. And I say, you know, something? if it's not broken, don't fix it. <laughs> the place is the, the place is perfect for everything that we do. Everyone enjoys it day. We got good rates, good good things going on for everything. So we
4: kind of just want to keep it going in the same place. But it was spiritual. That's what's so fascinating about that event, with so many people and so many killers. I mean, these guys are just killers. I mean, they were just, you know, all the, the all the, the five-time world champs and all those people I met, they're just the real thing. You know, the grandmasters and all, but so humble. It was yeah. my first experience with such humility. It was just amazing, and they're so formidable and accomplished, and all of that and yet if you think about the the what karate kid did for the martial arts world but as an actor it's just another body of work that you do. You know sure. to me at the time it was just another heavy you know and, and you don't really I guess I guess people like Jerry Weintraub and and, and, and the writer Robert Mark Cayman really know have a greater level of perception than sometimes the actor. The actor just can immerse himself in the role. The director, John Alveson, obviously knew what he had and um, it was fascinating how he sees, how the three of them, I believe, saw the whole picture of how well this movie would do. And it was only about nine million bucks. I mean, it wasn't a lot big expensive. Really? None yeah. of the actors had a sense of the Well, it, of it it actually, if I, if
0: I remember correctly, it actually kind of got panned by a couple of uh, critics who who called it a low-budget, childish remake of Rocky, if I'm not mistaken.
4: Yeah, I mean, there were some negatives there. I mean, John directed Rocky, so you know, I mean, they would just hit that and uh, personify the, the insecurity of so many of his reviewers, you know, would love to be in the game and be the artist and and, uh, you know, have inconsistent paychecks in their lives. And really? well, that's the part they don't want to have. So that's that's <laughs> what, you know, they, they take the reviewer point of view. But, you know, by and large, most of the reviewers were articulate and liked the movie. And, and um, God, I'd love to go back and read some of the reviews from 19, yeah. 1984. And I didn't even see the first screening. I was shooting a movie in Washington. And I remember my wife at the time went with my stepson, and all she told me was, "I said, how was the movie?" And uh, she says, "You were good." And I <laughs> said, "Is that it?" She says, "Yeah, you you were good." And you know, she's from New Zealand, and and you know, and she you know, very English, you know, and reasonably cold in that respect. And I wanted to know more, but I remember. Character was a comic book character. He was one dimensional, you know. I remember John Avildsen always telling me, you know, don't smile, don't give me the Marty Cole twinkle. I want just evil and and death. That's what he would tell me every time I tried to like smile in the movie. And um, he was a hundred percent correct, you know. I, yeah, it worked out definitely.
3: The it's funny, you know, when you, you you look at that type of movie and you know, from the standpoint of just martial arts, not even martial arts at the time, but just fans of it, it will always hold a special place in our lives because we see our own children in that movie even, let alone ourselves. And as we grow up, we, you know, what kid is not
4: going to watch that movie and love it even today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right. And, and I get that from kids today. The kids mm-hmm. are very, more articulate than we were at their age. And a yeah. 10 or the 15-year-old will just get it. You know, uh, my I think my uh, uh, one of my doctors, his kids are seven and eight, and mm. I gave him a, a copy of the disc, and they don't stop talking about it. And he every time I go to really? see he says, you know, my kids, my kids, and you know they're young children, and they're from Colombia, and mm. they you know they speak the language, but I mean they were raised in Colombia, South America, and it it rings bells, and you know. All over the world. It's um as an actor you wish you could have half a dozen of those movies, you know? Right. You, know? Yeah. you really do. Well, when I was in when I was in Japan actually, I had a bunch of friends
0: and I I invited over to my house and, and uh we sat down and we actually watched uh the Karate Kid. And the funny thing is in Japan the title is actually not called Karate Kid, believe it or not. In Japan it's called Best Kid, right? So you know, when I was saying the movie Karate Kid, they're all I've never seen it, I've never seen it. And then when they came to the house and were watching the film all together, they're like, Oh, I know this is the best kid movie and, and it was so you know, it's so unique that literally I mean globally, I think you can go I think you can go to any country in the world and I don't think that there's one person who really has not seen this movie or knows about it and knows about especially best your character. So I, I think it's it is I think that right there is a testament to how good the film actually is.
4: Yeah, I think you're right. I really think you're right, and uh, I guess you know, I did an autograph show with Ralph, something called Chiller Theater, which is um, in New York, and it's primarily a um, uh, a horror. Uh, most of the movies are, and the guests are all from different horror films, and I had gone with the cast of Last House on the Left, just a few years ago, and. Uh, I'd never been to an autograph show and most of the cast members um, weren't doing any business. And I didn't even have a photograph of myself as the deputy in Last House on the Left because I never liked the movie. And, you know, having twins and there being so much violence and rape in that movie, it wasn't my cup of tea.
2: And Orion,
4: who I was doing Cagney and Lacey for, had distributed the movie. Bottom line was, all the photographs I sold and I made a lot of money that that weekend. Were Karate Kid pictures. <laughs> Never had a, 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 a um, um, last house on the left photograph with myself. So I know everything I sold was Karate Kid, and it was amazing. Just truly amazing. No,
3: was that in Jersey? That one, that you chose? Yeah,
4: yeah, it was right there opposite the metal. No, yeah, uh, yeah, I, was, I remember. It
3: was, it was a big, very big show. It turned out to be a big show.
4: Yeah, they get, they get thirty thousand people flying through there. Yeah. I, you know, never seen anything like it, and yet, it was Karate Kid. It wasn't that cult movie, Last House on the Left, of it, which has been remade, and you know, Death Race Two Thousand has been remade. But that, that picture, you know, it's just uh, we all like to have a few of them under our belt like that, you know.
0: I, I actually have a question um, for for Marty if I could. Um, I wanted uh, this kind of personal question for you, and you can tell me what you, uh, how you feel about it. There's uh, the first part of the question would be who is the best actor that you've worked with so far in your career, and I know you got you probably got at least another forty years in you or more. <laughs> but and and who's an actor? The second part would be who's an actor that um, you really wanted to work with, haven't had the opportunity to do so.
4: It's an easy one. The first uh- answer is Anthony Hopkins, I'm doing. There's a movie out there that's on cable a lot. It's called Bare Knuckles. Wonderful, Eric Aradau he's a wonderful young director, and you know I play this this washed up um, uh, promoter of of women in the fight world. And it's called Bare Knuckles, and you can see it get it on Netflix. You can it's all over Son, the cable. Sunny Cool, <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh my God, yeah.
4: Sunny Cool, you remember? So Sunny Cool. We're in Malibu, and one day, Anthony Hopkins, his uh, set designer of a movie he had finished, uh, was set designer on our set. And he went up to the director, and he says, I want to be in your movie. And we're shooting at this big mansion in Malibu. And, of course, the director you know, was introduced to him, but thought he was just kidding. He asked three times to be part of the scene. And... Uh, the director runs up to me He says you got to help me We've got to improvise something We've got to improvise something Only you can do this And he wants to do a scene with you I said oh god So all of a sudden I concocted this whole deal in my head About he and I Running street fighting in Hong Kong And betting on street fights in Hong Kong And I created this whole thing About I haven't seen you in ten years Blah 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 He picked up on it Cameras rolled We had a ball Did about a five Five-minute improv, and um, it was brilliant. It was so much fun, and every and I never saw this before. But every actor wanted to walk into the scene for some reason and say something. Actors that had no business being in the scene, you know, but because it was an improv, you know, the directors rolled the camera and and just let it sit on us. And um, it was fascinating. It's like everybody was hungry. Hungry, hungry, hungry to get some footage with Anthony Hopkins so they can put it on their acting reel. It was amazing. So for sure, he was the finest actor I've ever worked with. And then, because he never signed a release, his scene was cut out of the
3: movie.
4: Yeah, everybody was so enamored that he was there, forgot to give him a release. And of of course, his, his attorney said, you know, you can't put the footage in the movie and and we didn't have it. But I still have the version that he's in, you know, and uh, I'd love to air it sometime, but it it was
2: fun. It was
4: a lot of fun. And uh, your second question was, tell me your second question again.
2: Uh, Second
0: question, uh, is there an actor that uh, you've not had the opportunity to work with, but would like to, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's, Lots of people we'd like to work with. Is there anyone particularly that just jumps out at you? Because you work, I think you work with absolutely the best in the business. I mean, Sylvester Stallone, Anthony Hopkins. I mean, the list can literally go forever. You know, Pat Morita actually was an amazing actor. People don't realize that he doesn't have any accent at all for right. <laughs> Miyagi with, with that accent. Uh, but, you know, he's just some of the best in the business uh, that you worked with. But who's somebody that you haven't been able, to, you know, just hasn't been able to uh, work out for whatever, you know, contract conditions
4: or, or, or project. Uh,
0: possibility. Well, I, I've
4: always loved Jack Nicholson, you know, mm. always loved Jack Nicholson and uh, occasionally I bump into him, you know, at, uh, at the driving range, you know, uh, hitting some golf balls. But Jack Nicholson has always been the richest. I, I've, taken uh, one movie I did called Trance, and I remember and it was a crazy character that was a hitman, but wanted to be Dion in, of Dion and the Belmonts and throughout the whole the plot of the movie, I'm walking around with this microphone singing Little Diane and Run Around Sue and all this stuff, and I remember copying him in a scene in Witches of Eastwick where he is in the church and he goes up and down the aisle in the church and berates women and tells tells us how impossible women are in our lives for, you know in the role of of a man and anyway so many wonderful movies he's done and I just have always wanted to work with him I've never had the opportunity and you know, you know he only does maybe maybe a film a year maybe and uh, you know I I just I love I just love him and um the other fellow that I legitimately worked with but Unfortunately, it was in the early part of my career, and I never had any scenes with him. I was Sean Connery's stand-in in a movie called The Anderson Tapes, and it was 1972 is like I just started in the business, and it was a glorified extra, and I was his stand-in. And um, ten years later, you know, uh, I bumped into him uh, on the tennis court, and we became friendly, and played tennis a lot and all. But you know, it was just. It was. I wish I could. You know, he's retired now, so it's hard. But you know, I remember playing tennis with him, and he would be cursing on the other end of the court, and screaming. I don't know. How, how he would say, you know, he, he, I don't know how vulgar I can get here, but he'd be screaming every curse word imaginable when he missed the ball. And my, what I thought was, shit, I'm playing tennis with James Bond, and he curses just like I do. He curses, and he says all these, you know, it it, it was, the vernacular was really dark, and he was screaming, you know, in his, in his dialect, every curse word imaginable when he missed the ball, and I loved it, because there was James Bond on the other end of the tennis court, and he's cursing just like I curse when I miss the serve, you know, and I just, ball, and he and I became friends and all, and, uh, yeah, it it was great, but, he and
3: Yeah, it's about that time, Alan. we got we got to cut cut our show. Uh, it's been very interesting, and uh want we'll to hand it over to Lou right now. And, uh, guys, it was great having you. And, Mr. Rubello, thank you for calling in. I want to have you back on the show, maybe as a co-host one night. And, uh, hey, listen, our show's doing great. Every time we have these great stars in it, we can't ask for more. So, guys, I want to thank you, and I'm honored you're both on.
0: Thank, thank you for having
3: me, uh,
2: Siva.
0: Appreciate it. Thank hey, you. It was fun. It was really fun. Right, nice talking to
2: yeah. you again. I'll in January, brother. All right. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and Marty, again, thank you so much for spending time with us on the Power Hour. It's been amazing. You sharing your excerpts of your your film and your your adventures and everything is fantastic. And I'm sure the listeners, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they adhere to it. So I do appreciate that. Uh, Alan Woodman, thanks again every time you're a co-host guest co here, it gets interesting. No, no doubt about it. And uh, we have uh, Joe Rabello uh, from Massachusetts. He came on, gave us a whole bunch of information. We couldn't bring him back on, but we'll bring him on uh, in future episodes because I think uh, he's going to start spinning people's heads, especially when we start talking about the doctor thing, which we'll get into we another go. time. Right, right, Alan. All right, guys. Yep. Thank you so much. And uh, again, we'll we'll see everyone in January. Yes, sir. Just let everyone
3: you you it go. Audience, Legendary. It's going to be 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 legendary. The ultimate martial arts experience, Action Martial Arts Magazine Hall of Fame, January 25th to 26th this year. Don't miss it. It's bigger and better than ever. More stars, more people, bigger rooms. We're expanding everything. Friday night parties, seminars. So be there you need
0: to call me, 718-856-8070, and I'll tell you more. You're listening to UCW
1: Radio. In your face. If you try to remember, you will lose. Empty your mind. Be falling. Shaped. Like water. Like water. All the fighters that ever set foot on this planet. I'm the only world champion, United States national champion. I'm a two time national cottage champion. I was never beating cotton. Be proud
2: of this. The action, Martial Arts Power an hour. Oh.